Amen. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. Man, I am the luckiest man in the world. Take a look around this room. Uh, to be the pastor of, of you all and all of you in cafe, it's just a blessing. I love you so much. God bless you. Welcome to you. Open your Bibles once more to the book of Romans chapter 8 in the middle of a message series entitled Life in the Spirit. Uh, today we're picking up in Romans chapter 8 verse 5. We're sort of going verse by verse uh, in a slow way to try to absorb everything we can from this great chapter out of the Word of God, Romans chapter 8. Chloe Wilson turned 90 this week, by the way. One of our ladies, Chloe, uh, lives two doors down from the church. You may have seen the big sign. She got, uh, the goal was to give her a, a 90 birthday cards on her 90th birthday. How many did you get, Chloe? 104 birthday cards. So you owe us. Uh, you owe us now. You got to... You got to live to be 104, but this is awkward. Cause I think when Nancy McElroy turned 90, you only got about 85 cards. Nancy, is that right? Yeah, it makes it awkward for us. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm in trouble. Romans chapter eight. Uh, in a few chapters, in Romans chapter 12, verse two, Paul is going to say something remarkable. He's going to say that we should let God transform us into new people by changing the way we think. Romans chapter 12, verse two says, "Let God." transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So Paul is going to start leading in that direction here in Romans chapter 8 with verse 5, where he starts talking about our minds, starts talking about uh, the, the way we think. Y'all have no idea what I'm thinking. You never know what I'm thinking, just like I don't know what you're thinking. And let's all just agree it's a good thing. It's just a good thing that people don't read our thoughts. Somebody once said that if people could read one of their thoughts, none of us would have any friends left. And it's true. Uh, I think all kinds of things. I break all Ten Commandments in my head. Um, the thing is, I don't usually say it. Uh, I have a pretty good control of my mouth, so people don't know what I'm thinking. I'll smile. I like very pastoral. Uh, but at the same time in my head, there's sometimes a very different thing going on, a very different scene. If you could only see, I'm glad that you can't. Uh, I can control my behavior a lot of days, not completely, not perfectly, but, but I don't act out the things that I think about. I don't always speak out the things that I think about, but the thoughts are still there. What I'm saying is at this point in my spiritual life, uh, the majority of my sins are thought sins. How many, how many of you would say you're kind of in the same boat? Uh, I do most of my sinning in my head. And, and, and that's kind of tricky because that means nobody knows about it but, but me and God. And honestly, I'm not that conscious of it. I don't always pay attention even to what's going on in, in my head. I don't capture those thoughts. So sinful thoughts go in one ear, out the other ear, and I don't even often register the fact that I have, I, I have sinned. And even when I do, I don't often feel a lot of guilt. I'm just being honest. Thought sins are kind of my private rebellion. It, it, it's, it's the place where I just sort of let sin roam because there's this, there's this difficulty in grasping that, that the sins that happen between my ears are very serious. I, I mean, like I said, I, I don't speak it. I don't, I don't do it. I'm not going to act these things out, and nobody ever knows. So, so what's the big deal? Well, according to Paul in Romans 8, thought sins are a big deal. Your thoughts are a very big deal because living a life in Christ means to follow the Spirit, and following the Spirit has everything to do with Letting the Spirit control your thoughts. 
So let's talk about our thought lives this morning in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Think about these things as we go. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Paul has just said that Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death, and so therefore we're no longer slaves to our sinful nature. Now we follow the Spirit. So he's set these two, two different uh, rival powers, that the sinful nature in me and then the power of the Holy Spirit. My goal now is to follow the Spirit, and this is where he picks up in verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Okay, I'm just going to start all over so y'all hear that verse. You ready? Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So, uh, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Christ at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. That's a hard word. As a kid, uh, one Saturday, I spent the day with a buddy from church, and, and he lived in one of the trailer parks in Franklin, Franklin Trailer Park. Um, we, we, I had permission from my parents to go to this, this guy's house, uh, but we ended up at this trailer, like in the same trailer park, but another court. So we were in, at this totally different house where I, we'd never asked our parents to go. We just went there. And uh, although my, my friend went to our church and his family, you know, the, the good church family, apparently the trailer where we went was not a good church family. Uh, parents weren't home. The only people home were these three teenage boys that lived there. I'd never met them. Uh, listen, these three guys were orangutans now. I mean, they, this was not a church family, and these were not church boys, and this was not a church trailer. And I learned a lot that day in that trailer. Uh, again, I was a little boy. I don't, I don't remember how old I was. I was probably six or seven, maybe first or second grade, something like that. So uh, anyway, we went to this house. It was kind of a wild place that the boys were kind of wild and crazy. But the, the, the thing that I'll never forget was walking into one of the bedrooms in that trailer where uh, the oldest teenage boy lived. It was his bedroom. And I walked in his bedroom. There were bunk beds, and there was this poster on the wall. And it, it was a giant, giant poster. It was a, a, a beautiful blue sky, and it was a green field that just went forever, just green grass. And there was this Palomino, beautiful horse. And leading this Palomino horse was a woman, a naked woman. Now, 
I had never seen anything like, I mean, I've seen a horse, but I've never seen anything <laughs> like, like this poster in, in my life. And I just remember standing there, just slack-jawed, you know, thinking a lot of things, among which, you know, my mom would never let me have a poster like that, in, in, you know, on my wall. Where in the world am I? What in the world is that? I mean, I mean I'd never seen I- anything like that. And, and, and I'm telling you, that moment was... I'd call it a life-changing moment, but, but, but let me more specifically tell you, this was a mind-changing moment. You understand what I mean? It was mind-changing. Because I, I saw for the, for the first time in my life something I'd never seen before, and, and it appealed very much to my sinful nature, to, to put it in Paul's terms. Uh, I left that trailer of transgression that day just praying, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Please don't let anybody ever know that I was in that trailer. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I mean, I felt so bad for just having been there and just having seen that, that poster. I felt horribly guilty. But at the same time, I could close my eyes and instantly see that picture again. You know, that was like, what, 45 years ago. I can still... I can still close my eyes. Actually, I can do it with my eyes open. I can still see that poster. I mean, I can just stand right here and I can still picture that horse. You know what I mean? I mean, I can still see, <laughs> I can still see that entire scene in, in my head. And it's effortless. Now, learning algebra was hard. You know, memorizing all of the capitals of the states, United States, that, that was hard. Memorizing scripture, that, that's hard for me. But for some reason, I could see that picture one time and forever it's burned in, in, it's, it's burned in my head. It, it was mind-changing and it's effortless. What I'm saying is what Paul is saying, that to a large degree, the life in the Spirit, to follow the Spirit, is a struggle. Paul says it's a struggle between the sinful nature and the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that now lives in me, but there is also dwelling in me this this sinful nature. Paul calls it the sinful nature. He calls it our sin nature because it's natural. It's the natural part of me. This is the part of me that kicks in and requires no effort effort. I can be a sinner and be very, very lazy. I can be a sinner with absolutely no physical or mental exertion. This is the most natural thing in the world for me. And the same is true for you as well. We're all sinners. And as sinners, this sin nature is just natural for us. And so that's why with simply one sight of a, of, of a dirty poster, I can carry that image in my mind for forever, and I can call that image back. And sometimes even without wanting to, those kinds of thoughts come into my head. It's, it's my sinful nature. So understand, life in the Spirit engages this inward struggle. It's, it's an inward struggle. Are, are y'all with me? It, it, it's an inward struggle. This constant struggle between the power of the Holy Spirit that now lives within me and the Holy Spirit is powerful. It, it's the spirit of life, Paul says. It's the spirit of life that is so powerful that one day that same power will literally raise this old body from the dead. And that's what he says in verse 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. The same power 
that the same quantity, the same quality of power that raised Jesus from the dead, that's the power now that lives in me. That that is an immense and eternal force of power that that now is available. It lives within me. It's the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Understand, since it's an inward struggle, God gives us his inward presence to empower and transform us. It's an inward struggle, so I need inward power. And this is what the Holy Spirit is. This is what the Holy Spirit gives me. This inward power to to, to give me the energy to, to, to transform me. I can't do this on my own. Remember last week we said, Paul says, what a miserable man that I am. Who will rescue me? And the answer, of course, is Christ. And the way he rescues us, among other things, is to give us his spirit. It's an inward presence. It's an inward source of power. And it is immense power. Immense power. But it requires immense power. Sin itself is a power living in me, and it's more powerful than I am. I need power, and this power comes from the Holy Spirit. This is exactly what Paul says, and this is what Romans 8 verse 5 says. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, there is this new controlling power in me that enables me to think about things that please the Spirit. I'm telling you, if you're going to change this old noodle, you better have some power. You better be packing some power to make this brain think about things that please the Spirit. You better come packing some power. And this is exactly what Paul says the Holy Spirit does. And this is where life in the Spirit begins. With your thought life, you've got to change the way you think. It is not a small deal your, your thought life, these thought sins, the way that you sin in your head and nobody ever knows, you think that's not a big deal. This is the biggest deal of all. This is where life in the Spirit begins. You can't begin to follow the Spirit until your mind begins to follow the Spirit. Everything begins right here. And this is what Paul is saying, and this is what most of you and most of us never really, ever really absorb. First off, I would say this, apart from Christ, we are spiritually brain dead. That's that's literally what the scripture says. There is something dead about me. It's the law of sin and death, Paul says. And as long as I allow my mind to, to pursue sin, as long as I just let my mind roam free, inevitably my mind will continue to roam into the things that only lead to death. Apart from Christ, we're all spiritually brain dead. There are thoughts that you can't think. There are spiritual truths that you can't absorb. You simply do not have the mental capacity. Life in the Spirit, being indwelt with the Spirit, it it gives us a different mind, the mind of Christ. He transforms us by helping us to think differently. But apart from Christ, you don't think differently. Apart from the Spirit, your brain just does what your brain does, and your brain will inevitably drag you into the gutter apart from Christ, spiritually brain dead. So what that means is when you step into the life in the Spirit, when Christ becomes the dominant power in your life, there is then a struggle engaged. There's a battle that that you begin. Now, you probably weren't even aware of this. There was no battle before you came to Christ. You just thought what you thought. And you didn't think anything about it. But now in the Spirit, there's something different. You, You have to 
constantly wage this battle in, in, in your mind. People talk about spiritual warfare all the time. The Pentecostals talk about spiritual warfare. I'm telling you, this is where spiritual warfare happens. It's in your thoughts. It's, it's in your thoughts. This is the battle. But there was no battle before you came to Christ. There was no battle to fight. You were already surrendered to the enemy. Your mind was already dead along with everything else. But, but when you come to Christ, then you're going to start to struggle. Then you have to fight with your thoughts. Every now and then, y'all, we don't have cable TV, so on vacation or if we're like at your house, my wife loves HGTV, home and garden, you know, television. So we only ever see it on vacation or like say if we're at your house. So have us over, have my wife over. Uh, let her just watch, fix her up or like for days and, and get it out of her system. Um, there was one of these HGTV shows where you're like, well, the house hunters, you know, whatever jungle version, house hunter, you know, the beach version. Uh, this was like desert version, house hunter. They were looking for a house in like Arizona, this woman. And so they looked at three houses. And so finally she picked one house. It was in the desert. Y'all, these are all just, you know, like, like, you know, sand blasted houses, you know, in the desert. I mean, like with cactuses, just pick one lady, just pick one. Man, you, you living in the desert, no matter what you do. So she bought this house in the desert. It was her like fixer upper thing. And, and they landscaped it with rocks and sand, you know, and cactuses. And then she's out there watering cactuses, you know, on the show. But guess what happened? She started watering the cactuses in her yard. Guess what happened? I mean, like, HGTV got good this day. Because this lady's out there watering her cactuses, and like the next morning, rattlesnakes everywhere. I mean, she starts watering her. I mean, who waters a cactus, people? I mean, it's HGTV. Let's get some smart people here. She's watering her cactus. She watered all the cactuses in her yard, and the rattlesnakes just came from everywhere. I mean, so the next day, she can't come out of her desert house. Rattlesnakes. Now, explain to me, where did the rattlesnakes come from? Well, you know, you're living in the desert, lady. I mean, you know, the rattlesnakes got there first. I mean, that's where the rattlesnakes live. But however, once she landscaped her yard, once she starts watering the cactuses, man, it's the water that brought the rattlesnakes out. You know, that was the best day of HGTV ever. I was just, you know, go snakes, go snakes. It was so awesome. It was, oh man, I think she's going to move. You'd move, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd move. Let the snakes have it. This is kind of what happens with our minds when the living water of the spirit starts to flow. It, it brings the snakes out. It brings the rattlesnakes out. There's something about that power of the Spirit. It starts bringing the snakes out in, in, in my mind. You know, it's like the, the harder I try to give the Spirit control of my thoughts, the, the, the more and more the snakes come out and squirm. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? It, it's a battle that, that we engage. And honestly, some of you don't understand it. You don't relate to what I'm saying because you're not engaging this battle. But Paul would say very, very clearly, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. I mean, he kind of draws the line right down the middle there. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, it leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. It, it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But 
But you're not controlled by the sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit living in you. And remember that if you don't have the Spirit of Christ living in you, you don't belong to Christ at all. I mean, that kind of puts things in a very plain and uncomfortable clarity. In other words, if this isn't a part of your life, if, if, if you're not giving your thoughts over to Christ, if this is, isn't something that concerns you, Paul would sort of raise in a question whether you belong to Christ at all. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, then there is this now, this battle between the Spirit and the sinful nature, and you're continuing to give that control over to the Spirit. If you're not, then I'm not sure the Spirit's in you, and if the Spirit's not in you, you don't belong to Christ at all. That's Paul talking, not me. So this isn't just something for those who want to be really, really serious about their Christian life. This just is the Christian life. This is the life of following the Spirit. It is this inward struggle, and that struggle is with our thoughts. And our aim is every single day with every single thought to give the Holy Spirit control. Apart from Christ, we are spiritually brain dead. Number two, the Holy Spirit requires full access and control, total control over your mind. Full access, total control. When I was talking earlier, I, I know I kind of made it sound like a joke. It, it's no joke. My, my, my sinful rebellion is, is mostly private. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a pastor, because I want so much to be a good husband to Casey and a good father to Wade and a good pastor to all of you, I really try to make sure that the outside is always polished and and, and I want to be a good example on the outside. And that's what I'm saying. I often allow sin just to live sort of in the back of my mind, not even in the front, just sort of I've given sin like this back corner of, of my mind. And I let thoughts live there. Now, there are probably some thoughts I could wage war against, but I'll be honest with you. Some of the sinful thoughts I have are are very, very delicious to me. I hang on to them. God help me. But this is what I'm saying. I I do this, and my hunch is some of you do it as well. You you just sort of feel like, you know, I do so much for the Lord. I'm living for the Lord in so many ways. I'm just going to keep this for myself. And what we keep for ourselves are, are, are these corners of our thoughts, These thoughts that we entertain, these fantasies that we love, or whatever it is that our mind continues to run back to when when, when we get bored or just allow our mind to wander, your mind will always sort of wander back to that that sinful nature corner of of your head, and and that's what happens to me, and I think that's what happens to, to most of us. And we sort of become comfortable just, just letting that last corner, that, that last unredeemed part of our mind continue. But I'm telling you, the Spirit requires full access. When I say that this is what I do, I'm not telling you that that's supposed to be normal. I'm confessing something that's profoundly broken in me. I must not allow, not even the smallest corner, not even the, the flicker of a thought. I must continue to give the Spirit full access, total control, absolute total control. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Again, Paul talks about spiritual warfare in these terms. He says we have to take, say the words, every thought captive. We take every thought captive, not just some thoughts, Every thought, every sinful thought. 
And, and in this context, Paul's talking about spiritual warfare. So spiritual warfare isn't really like in the horror movie where like the priest is chasing down the demon-possessed woman and her head's spinning and she's like puking green soup and blah, you know. That's what you think spiritual warfare is. And you're missing the truth of where spiritual warfare takes place. It takes place in your thoughts. Your aim is to fight and take captive every single thought to make sure that every thought is obedient to Christ. Every thought. That means, men, you are not allowed, you are not allowed the sinful luxury of even just a moment's lustful fantasy. Every thought must be obedient to Christ. It means, women, you're not even allowed even just the, the, the smallest moment when you become jealous or envious of another woman's clothes or, or, or her shoes or her husband, whatever it is. Every single thought captive, every thought, every thought. And let me tell you, it is exhausting to have to wrestle down every thought to make sure it's obedient to the truth of Christ. But this is life in the Spirit. This isn't just for those who want to go extra far with Christ. This is step one. Step one. Give him total control. He requires total control of every thought. You cannot give the devil any foothold in your thoughts. It's a Haitian pastor who gave an example to his congregation. It's beautiful. It's just what he told him. He said that there was a man who wanted to sell a house, asking price, $2,000. It's a fortune in Haiti, $2,000. There was a man who wanted to buy the house, but he didn't have the money. He had $1,000, so he tried to negotiate with the seller. I, I can't give you $2,000. I'll buy the house for $1,000. And so... The man selling the house said, okay, I'll make a deal with you. I will sell you the house for $1,000, but I will retain ownership of that nail that is driven into the wood just over the door frame. There was a nail over the door. He said, you can have the whole house for $1,000, but I own that nail. It's such a small thing. I mean, the guy said, well, deal. So he bought the house for $1,000 with the understanding that the seller would continue to own that single nail that was in place over the door. A couple of years later, the seller returned to the man who bought the house. He said, I want to buy the house back. The man said, I'm sorry, I love this house. We had a deal. I paid you $1,000, and, and, and I have a name on the deed now. My family's in this house. We have no intention of selling. This house is ours. The man said, yes, but you're forgetting that nail belongs to me. So the man went out and got the carcass of a dead dog, came back, hung it on the nail. The dog hung in the doorway continued to rot and decompose, made the house completely unlivable. The family had to move. The Haitian pastor tells the story to remind you, you don't give the devil anything, not a single claim, not a single foothold. You don't let him even have a single nail, you understand, in your mind. Because if he has that, 
If he has any sort of access, if you let the devil, if you let that sinful nature continue to occupy even the smallest place in your heart, in your mind, then that sinful nature, the devil himself, will make your mind, your heart unlivable for the Holy Spirit. You do not give the sinful nature in, in any place. Understand, the Holy Spirit requires full access, total control. So, so bottom line, if the aim of our Christian life is to become like Christ, and, and that's what Scripture says, if our aim is to uh, know our Creator and become more like Him, then this is what Romans 8 teaches us here. If you're not thinking like Christ, you're not becoming like Christ. If you're not thinking like Christ, you're not becoming like Christ. We're talking about life in the Spirit. This is the Christian life. It's not part of the Christian life. It's, it's not just the Christian life for people who really want to go far. This is the Christian life for all of us, and this is what it looks like, and this is where it starts. Paul's going to say later in Romans chapter 12 that we must let Christ transform us into, into new people. And he's going to do this by changing the way we think. My mind is a very, very sinful, sinful factory of thoughts. Very, very difficult to control. It is not a power that I have. I need the Holy Spirit. And maybe that's why at the end of this passage, Paul reminds us that the Holy Spirit has the power to raise the dead. And if that's the kind of power living in me, living in you, that same power that raised Christ from the dead, that one day will raise your old bones from the dead too, that that kind of power is the very same power that God now places inside of you so that he can change you into a whole new person starting with your thoughts. You have to get serious about the sin in your life, about the thoughts in your head. So serious that you begin to stop sin in the very place where it starts with your thoughts. Pray with me. Lord, I don't have to go out and kill. I don't have to go out and actually have an affair, commit adultery. I don't have to go and take something from someone physically. I don't have to do any of these things in, 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 in the world, in, in life, in my physical life. I can just simply do these things in my thoughts. And because I can do it in my thoughts and I don't break any actual laws and no one ever finds out what I was thinking, Lord, I feel like I'm innocent. I feel like I've committed no sin. I feel like I can continue walking around and, and consider myself a man of integrity. 
But Holy Spirit, you are God's inward presence. And and so you are there. And, And there is not a thought in my head that is hidden from your sight. There is not a single thought whose voice does not ring in your ears. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are within me. And that sin is offensive to you. And as a matter of fact, helping me defeat that kind of thought sin is the very reason you're placed within me, that inward presence, that inward power. This is why I need you, Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, let the battle start today. Let the real transformation for us, let it begin today. May we stop being so casual about the horrible sin that lives inside our minds. May we stop simply thinking that because we fooled everybody else that the Holy Spirit is equally deceived by our outward show. It is what is within us that defiles us, Jesus has said. And what is within us, Lord Jesus, you know, is horrible sin. So we still need you to set us free. We need your power, Holy Spirit, to change the way we think before you can ever change us into being a different kind of person. I need to be a different kind of man, Holy Spirit, so give me a different kind of mind. I need the mind of Christ. So, Holy Spirit, change this church. Change all of us. Make us different men, different women, different kind of church, Lord Jesus, by changing the way we think. Give us grace and mercy and strength today, O God, to surrender our thoughts to your spirit that dwells within us and gives us the power to change. Holy Spirit, change us into the image of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Stand together. In this song that we're about to sing, try it. Just try, just for as long as this song lasts, what, three minutes? Just try for three minutes to think only about what would please the Lord. Just try for three minutes to focus your thoughts on Christ. For three minutes to only think what would honor him. For three minutes not to let your mind wander like a stray dog. For three minutes, give him your thoughts and surrender your thoughts to him. And I promise you, in three minutes, you will already be a different kind of person if you will listen to his voice and surrender to whatever the Spirit says to you for three minutes now. Give him your thoughts and your worship.